When you rely on the internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible XFi gateway. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed. This week on Not Sam Wrestling, is WWE getting ready to head back into that arena life? SummerSlam is actually around the corner, and the brilliant Ron Funches joins us. This is Not Sam Wrestling. is not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Happy Monday, happy day. Happy day, everybody. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling for the week. I guess, I can't believe it. Headed into TakeOver 30 and SummerSlam. I partly can't believe it because it doesn't feel like we're that close to these events. But I also can't believe like we're headed into it's mid like we're we're past the halfway point. We're now officially in late August. This is just the forgotten summer. Well, I'm at least glad uh, that we've been together for it. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. Um. And yeah, I mean, I do think that besides, I think that WWE has a lot of work to do. I think even NXT, I think these go-home shows this week are going to have to be packed headed into SummerSlam. Because while we have the lineup for the most part, I don't feel like most of the rivalries that are set to be settled at SummerSlam, I just don't feel like we're at the boiling point yet. You know, I feel like there's still more to be defined. The Fiend and Braun Strowman, did we see a Braun Strowman heel turn? Did we see a double turn on SmackDown is the question. Is the Fiend's partnership with Alexa Bliss turning him into a babyface? And is Braun's ignoring of Alexa Bliss turning him into a heel. Or maybe his babyface power was in his hair and he shaved it all off. Maybe there's just too much heel in that beard. I don't know. But I want to know why. Like, I want to know what really makes him the heel. I want to know, did The Fiend kidnap Alexa Bliss to get in the head of Braun Strowman only to fall in love with her? Is that the story that we're being told? Um, Or... Did he just like Alexa Bliss? Does Braun Strowman actually not care about Alexa Bliss? Like, I, 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 there are still so many questions that haven't been answered. And not that you would answer every question. I Theoretically, you know, SummerSlam would possess a lot of the answers, but at least that would put us on the table. Like, I don't know who we're rooting for. Who are we rooting for? Braun Strowman or The Fiend? I feel like SummerSlam is going to be Chapter 10, and we're right about Chapter 5. You know, I think uh, SummerSlam is the fourth quarter. SummerSlam is that final spot. But I feel like for most of these stories, we're only at halftime. You know, I feel like the Randy-Drew McIntyre story, while I'm interested in the match and everything, I, I feel like most of what we've seen 
is kind of been more about Randy. How does Ric Flair factor into this? What does being a legend killer have to do with facing Drew McIntyre? I think that that still has to be solidified. I think that, it, you know, we've just been at a weird time. I feel like WWE has decided now is the time to try some new things to maybe get the rating up, to maybe get some people talking again. But at the same time, it's left us in this position where we're headed into the arguably the second biggest show of the year. And most of these stories were still at halftime. We're not at that three-quarter point that we need to be before we go into the big pay-per-view match. Um, I, I, I think, will there be retribution represented at the pay-per-view? Is there going to be some kind of Raw Underground represented at SummerSlam? Uh, you know, I, I, I think a lot of it. Uh, I think it with uh, NXT, I think that the road to takeover really has to be cemented. I mean, I think we have to go from, it would be interesting to see Karrion Cross and Keith Lee in a championship match to, I've, I'm dying to see this match and I don't know who's going to win. I feel like we're three weeks away from most of the matches and we've only got one episode of TV left. I mean, Pat McAfee and Adam Cole, like, really? You sold me on it. And I think we will, especially with that one. Because I think people went from zero to seven. Most people. I mean, objective people went from zero to seven when you saw the angle play out on NXT TV two weeks ago. So I think that if Pat McAfee and Adam Cole can do what they did two weeks ago— this coming week on NXT TV, then now we've we've cemented that as a match that is a high-profile match. I think that the that, that stuff's important. And it's going to be a big NXT show, I mean, based on what they've already announced, Finn Balor versus Velveteen Dream and all this stuff. But I just think that uh, there's a lot of work that needs to be done this week, and I think that it very well may be done this week. If you look at the pace that these shows have been running, Raw last week was a very good Raw especially in comparison to the way Raw's been. I mean, very action-packed. And when I say action-packed, I mean with pacing. I mean with stuff happening. A lot happened on Raw this week. A lot happened on NXT this week. And a whole lot happened on SmackDown this week. I mean, I feel like the Retribution stuff should almost only be on SmackDown. And it's really interesting because it's not like... It was one thing when you had Paul Heyman running Raw and Bruce Prichard running SmackDown. And so, of course, the shows are going to look different. But it's so weird seeing, like, Retribution look like a bunch of goofballs on Raw. Like, oh, we threw a cinder block through a window. Like, who cares? Who cares? Like, they threw a cinder block through a glass door and then just left. They didn't even go into the building. Like, big deal. And then they go to SmackDown and they just start destroying referees. And you're like... Well, why didn't you do that on Monday? <laughs> like, what is it about Raw? You got even more time on Raw. What is it about Raw that, that's got you so intimidated? But I think that Retribution, a lot of questions have to be answered. I think with Retribution, we have to start figuring out who and what and why. Because we're so far away from those answers. Like, we're past the point of, oh, this is something. Oh, this is interesting. That's all week one stuff. Week one stuff is the more questions than answers. Not saying you have to give all the answers right away, but as the weeks go on, I mean, like a, like a, like chapters in a book, you have to start answering questions. That gives us faith that the questions will continue to be answered. And if we go and there's just cool stuff happening week by week, but still no real answers, 
then as an educated wrestling fan, you start to think, does WWE even have the answers to this story yet? Or did they just start something and they're waiting to see where it goes? And that's not the level of faith that you want people to have in the product, I don't think. And maybe that's just the hardcores, but the hardcores mean a lot. The people who listen to this podcast and the other wrestling podcasts, they do. They make up for a big, big portion of the number. It's so funny when you go back and you watch uh, WWE TV on the network from like even the beginning of the last decade, the beginning of the 2010s. And on television, they have like heel Michael Cole referring to the internet as, as if it's this like small sect of wrestling fans. The internet fans like this, like on those old NXT shows when, when Loki was on there, like Caval was on there. And they were like, oh, well, the internet loves Caval, but the internet is just blah, blah, blah. And you're looking, and it's like, it, first of all, it was a lot more than you gave it credit for in 2010. But now it, it it's just fans. Like, what wrestling fan doesn't have the internet? I'm sure there are some, but not that many. You know, this is not AOL keyword WWF in 1996. This is 2020 when everybody's got a smartphone. You know, you I, I don't think you can realistically sit there and go, the future of this thing is in our over-the-top streaming service. And then in the same breath go, but you can't just listen to internet fans. It's like, that, well, then how are they going to get the over-the-top streaming service? They're trying to go over the top of something. In order to go over the top, you need to have internet. That's what you got to be talking on. So it's an interesting time. We're going to get into a full SummerSlam takeover preview show this week on the Patreon show um, because we got a lot to do today. So, And plus, you know, I'd rather wait until Thursday when a lot more questions have been answered to really kind of sink our teeth into what's going on uh, at TakeOver and SummerSlam this weekend. So that will all go down uh, on the Thursday Not Sam Thursday show that's exclusive to the Not Sam shows on patreon.com slash Wrestling. But speaking of those guys, by the way, this week on the Patreon show, and it's just good timing, sometimes I just feel like the WWE and the WWE Network and the last professional broadcaster, the extreme wrestling journalist, Scoops Sam Roberts, Scoops Roberts, wrestling journalist, hack wrestling journalist. I feel like uh, we're just on the same page sometimes because on last Thursday, as part of this build towards SummerSlam, I wanted to celebrate Bret Hart, and we did a, a, a watch-along of the SummerSlam 1994 Bret Hart versus Owen Hart cage match. There's a lot of Bret Hart matches we could have picked. We picked that one, SummerSlam 94. Interesting enough, the timeline this week on the WWE Network that I just watched before I jumped on here to uh, lay out this podcast was uh, Brett versus Owen in the timeline. And it's a, basically a 45-minute special that, I mean, it kind of starts with Owen's debut in the WWE, but realistically... It gets into, it really starts to pick up at Survivor Series 93 when the incident happens, when Owen turns on Brett and the rest of the Hart brothers, and Brett is wearing a singlet, and he's showing off those tanned Canadian legs in that pink singlet. The only match he ever showed his legs off for. Um, And then it goes through all the way to, I guess it was a two-year rivalry, Survivor Series Oh, no, I guess it was would have been just a one—wow. Wow, it was just really one year. It goes to Survivor Series 94, 
where Brett lost the title to Bob Backlund due to Owens' interference. And while, you know, they maintained a rivalry after that, that was kind of the end. Bret Hart disappeared a little bit. Owen went on to do his other stuff, eventually started teaming with Yokozuna after that. But yeah, it's just one year, Survivor Series 93 to Survivor Series 94. Um, but the timeline specials are really great because it just goes over with a little bit of depth those long-term storytelling things. Hopefully they'll do Hogan and Macho WrestleMania 5. I doubt that they'll do Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho leading up to the Festival of Friendship for obvious reasons. But I think uh, WrestleMania 5, Kevin Owen, uh, uh, Hogan versus Macho, has got to be one of the next on the list. I mean, when you think about the great long-term stories, you know, Brett versus Sean, I think is one that you got to do, but you might have to do it in two parts. Realistically, you might have to do that in two parts because that's one that starts in, I want to say you could start it in 92 because they had their first big pay-per-view match at Survivor Series 92. And it goes all the way up to Survivor Series 97. So that's a five-year rivalry and it becomes personal and it's just so much to cover. So I feel like timeline Brett versus Sean will probably should be a two-parter if they do it right. But I'm enjoying that. The addition of uh of the independent stuff that they added to the network. I just think it's a step in the right direction. There's still a long way to go. They put up about, I think they put up like five shows and like maybe three or four best ofs. They did uh they didn't do any full evolve shows, which is interesting. Uh they just did like a best of Drew McIntyre. Best of Keith Lee, best of Ricochet, best of Matt Riddle. Maybe they put up like four. Best of those guys in Evolve. But coincidentally enough, all the people that they're wrestling in the best of Evolve shows are Evolve matches with current WWE and NXT superstars. Like Timothy Thatcher's all over it. Uh, for the most part, people that are signed to WWE. Uh, the overseas stuff that they put up, I think is interesting. The uh, WXW, the... ICW stuff. They put up like five shows from European independent promotions. And while this isn't, re I, you know, I guess it's a taste of independent wrestling for people who are completely out of the independent wrestling world. You know, I, th I still think, you know, some of the stuff that's on like fight, like, you know, GCW shows is something people should be watching. I kind of like what ICW here in America is doing with the no holes barred shows and the chains instead of ropes and everything. I just think it's interesting. Um, but stuff like that, and who knows, maybe it'll be a gateway to get people into some of the other stuff that's going on outside of the mainstream, which is really good. Um, but yeah, but I do think it's a step in the right direction because I think there's a lot of stuff that the WWE network can add really for the purpose of adding history to a lot of the talent that is on the WWE roster. Realistically speaking, a lot of people have only ever seen Matt Riddle wrestle on SmackDown. So the idea that we can have his Evolve catalog and his NXT catalog all available on the WWE Network, I think it's a step in the right direction. But I mean, I don't know how they do it, but let's be honest. When you talk about Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, the entire Undisputed Era, Matt Riddle, Timothy Thatcher, the list goes on and on and on. Pro Wrestling Guerrilla is a promotion that WWE could really benefit from. If they could somehow get access to those PWG shows and put those shows on the WWE Network, I think it would open a huge amount of people's eyes 
Now, where it gets tricky is a lot of their talent is in the ring with people like the Young Bucks and, and stuff like that. So I don't know if that's something that they necessarily want on the WWE Network. I probably wouldn't want that on my network. But who knows? Who knows? I, I mean, I, I think getting Ring of Honor footage from these guys, getting Impact footage from these guys, I think that that would be probably the next logical step for the WWE Network. Um, but before we go into our interview this week, because we got an interview, Ron Funches is going to be joining us. I want to talk about something that at this point, at the time that this podcast is being released, is a rumor. I would imagine it will be announced on Raw tonight, and it won't be a rumor anymore. Uh, but it's being reported by local Orlando News. Uh, there are pictures of trucks outside this building with WWE superstars' faces plastered all over them. So I think it's safe to talk about it. Uh, according to the internet, uh, the WWE is going to be headed to the Amway Center for SummerSlam. That they have some kind of deal, uh, according to the internet, they got some kind of deal set up with the Amway Center, uh, which is the arena there in Orlando. That's where the uh, when they did WrestleMania in Orlando, that's where TakeOver happened. That's where the Hall of Fame happened. You know, they've done tons of stuff there. Um that would keep them at the Amway Center through October. Well, we found out two things. Number one, that the Amway Center deal is apparently happening. And number two, it was definitely confirmed on SmackDown that there's another pay-per-view after SummerSlam. That SummerSlam is happening this Sunday. And then next Sunday is payback. This Sunday, you got Sasha Banks versus Asuka. And you have Bailey versus Asuka. Next Sunday, this is like Tuesday in Texas territory, a one, seven days later, Payback is on the WWE Network. And that's got Sasha Banks and Bayley defending the women's uh, tag team championship. Now, if I'm looking at that, I'm probably thinking, Asuka, I, I think it'd be really interesting if Asuka won both titles at SummerSlam, then went to Raw on Monday with two titles on her shoulders, saying, I know I know you want this, like, like Sonny. I know you want me. But going, before you get a shot at either of these two championships, I need a partner. And go into payback with Asuka and Shayna Baszler versus Sasha Banks and Bailey, Because I kind of love the idea of setting up a scenario where because you can't take one title off of Sasha Banks and Bailey. It's got to be all or nothing with those two. And we, we've got a scenario where it's kind of set up perfectly to do that. I love the idea of Asuka herself having all the gold and Shayna Baszler being her partner. And that would really be setting up this sort of two-man power trip of the women's division that you kind of have with Bailey and Sasha, but I love that Asuka would be the one person. So, and, and that's because clearly you're going to be building to a Shayna Baszler-Asuka match. So the idea that Asuka would have both singles titles and then as a team, they would have the women's tag team titles. There would still be this understanding that Asuka believes that she is better than Shayna and that Shayna wants to prove to Asuka that she's better than her. And... You know, I, I, I still think maybe eventually, I, I think that you could still do the Sasha Banks Bailey act if they lose all the titles. I don't think you can do the act if they lose one of the titles. I think if they lose all the titles, you can still do the act. 
And I mean, I, I, I think if you go into after payback, it'll be whatever the September pay-per-view is. I don't remember what it's called. But you start building towards Asuka versus Shayna. And it could just be for one for the Raw Women's Championship. Maybe Asuka has to defend the titles twice, right? Maybe Asuka has to defend against Bailey and Shayna. And she beats Bailey and then loses to Shayna. And then maybe the two of them have to defend the women's tag team championship. I think I, I think there's a lot you could do with it. And I know you're probably thinking, well, you know, with as, as many people as aren't getting loved in the women's division, does that make any sense at all? And I think it does because I think the way the picture has been painted, you've got Shayna Baszler, Asuka, Sasha Banks, and Bailey as head and shoulders above the rest of the women's division right now. It just is what it is. And... I think especially if you go with my idea of having Retribution be a female-led group, and clearly there's a lot of women in Retribution, right? When you look at the body types and, and the movements of these people and the hair, you could tell there's a bunch of women that are in Retribution. I feel like if they unmask and one of their problems is that the entire women's main event scene is just circling between this small group, you know, now you got retribution involved. So, and that's where Carmella and Naomi and Dana Brooke and all these people are a part of retribution. So I think it could be cool, but we'll get more into that when we do it. Um, as far as the Amway Center deal goes, what my hope is, is that because there's two ways it could go, right? It could go, they'll do their TV in the Performance Center and they'll do pay-per-views at the Amway Center which is possible. Uh, apparently, there's still going to be no fans allowed in the building, which I think is probably the safest thing for now. But there's also pretty heavy rumors of WWE doing some kind of digital screen where the, the much-rumored fans kind of zooming in and reacting to the live show could happen. And, and there have been a lot of questions about people being on a delay, but it would only be on a delay if the fans were watching their television sets and reacting to their television on Zoom. I think the idea of having a virtual audience is there have to be a two-way camera. So you can see the audience, but the audience can see a direct feed of what's happening on Raw. They're not watching their TVs. They're watching some kind of computer window that is feeding them the show. So they're reacting in real time. And we, we, we see on our delay that we're watching, because we're on TV, we're seeing them reacting to it in real time. I think that's the only way that you would realistically do it. And that's the way you should do it. Um, I think it could be interesting. I, you know, I, I don't love it right now. I get creeped out in baseball when I see, like, the cardboard cutouts. I've, I, I think the NBA has tried to do some video screens, but I haven't really seen whether it's been effective for them or not. Um... I'll tell you, I watched some of the UFC's uh, fights from their performance center type space in Las Vegas over the weekend. And there was a big difference between this show in that small room with no fans and the arenas that they've been running with no fans. I think that there's going to be a huge difference in WWE programming running shows in arenas. Um, you could just do pay-per-views in the arenas to try to keep it special, but I don't think that's the way to go. I think, you know, NXT was always in that small room, which, I mean, I, I think that they were in the small room too much when there were fans, to tell you the truth. You know, I think when you're flipping back and forth and you see AEW in an arena and you see NXT in a small room, 
it makes it makes the show in the arena look like a bigger show. Um, but for that reason alone, I think that WWE should absolutely run Raw and SmackDown in the arena as well. I think SummerSlam should be when they debut it. But I think if they've got access to an arena, that arena should be used for Raw, SmackDown, pay-per-views, takeover specials, everything. You could still do NXT TV. You know, they've been doing NXT TV at full sale, it looks like to me, instead of the Performance Center. So you could still do your NXT TVs in full sale if you have access to it, you know, because that, that still looks like NXT, the NXT that we're used to. But I think it would be a step in the right direction to move Raw and SmackDown and takeovers to an arena setting, even if it's without live fans in attendance. Um, but I think it's a step in the right direction for sure. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in the perspective of fellow fans uh, and, and how they're kind of ingesting wrestling in the era that we're in. And Ron Funches is a guy who I love talking to about wrestling and everything else, quite frankly. And you'll hear in this conversation, we do veer off the rest, wrestling path every now and then, but then kind of veer right back on. Ron Funches is the type of guy that you end up talking to and not only feeling good about talking about wrestling, but then you end up slowly realizing like, oh, we're also talking about how we can improve our lives and then talking about wrestling and then a little bit about improving our lives and then back to a lot more wrestling. It really is a great combination. So Ron Funches, who's got a live streaming event coming up on YouTube September 5th that you can pay 10 bucks and be a part of. Um, I would recommend you do that. But before you do that, why don't you listen to the conversation that we have today on Not Sam Wrestling, my pal, huge wrestling fan, extraordinary comedian, ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for the one and only Ron Funches. The Not Sam Wrestling Interview. Well, back here on Not Sam Wrestling, one of my favorite people to talk to, not just about wrestling, but just one of my favorite people to talk to in general. And I feel like, thank God for podcasts, because otherwise, you know, you just don't get around to talking to people anymore in this day and age. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Ron Funches is here. Welcome, Ron. Hey, Sam. It's just good to hear your voice, man. Seeing you all over the place. You coming bigger, bigger star every day. I'm happy. I'm just glad we're still friends. <laughs> oh, please. Yeah, right. Well, like I have kids in my house. So like, I feel like I don't miss you at all. I hear your voice through a troll <laughs> like in, in my house all the time. So I wouldn't worry about uh, uh, anybody else becoming a star. But Ron, uh, it, it is weird, though. The thing about podcasts is, and I feel like wrestling is sort of kind of starting to figure this out, but comedy figured this out first, that podcasting becomes a really good excuse to just catch up with people and sit there and talk for an hour or two, however long your podcast is, that, uh, yeah. that you wouldn't normally get to do. Yeah, I mean, people just want to co connect with you and I think um, the thing I find out the most because I've been starting to do a lot of Twitch streaming and playing video games with people. And then a lot of people on my Twitch stream come through and they go, oh, did you listen to the newest uh, Your Mom's House or, or, or Rogan thing? And I was like, no, I don't. I don't listen to comedy podcasts. <laughs> you know, but I think, know. Yeah, but I, I think if you have an interest in any type of world, like, you know, for, for me, that is the wrestling podcast because I'm not in that world. And so it excites me just hearing these old stories or these background information, the inside baseball of it excites me. And I think, yeah, comedians got into that pretty early uh, of just 
showing that behind the scenes and letting people fall in love with your personality more than just like your your set and your jokes. Do you have any specific era that you love behind the scenes stories about in wrestling? Like for me, I think the reason why Bret Hart's book is my favorite wrestling book ever is because like when I was in high school, that's when the internet and wrestling kind of really started to merge. And that's when all those behind the scenes stories started becoming just as commonplace as what was going on on camera. So like the attitude era stuff is when I was like, okay, you start to get this idea. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, almost, I would say 90% of it is not true, but you do get this idea of here's what's going on behind the scenes. And this is who this writer is. And you start to, Mm -hmm. you know, get the, the inside stuff, but like, you know, growing up, like from 90 to 96, 97, there was no behind the scenes stories. Like I'm not, I, I didn't have Meltzer's newsletter when I was a kid. So I'm sitting there and Bret Hart is as Bret Hart is presented to me. And Shawn Michaels is as Shawn Michaels is presented to me. And I feel like when I start getting into behind the scenes stories of the time when I was a kid before the mm-hmm. internet was giant, that's when I'm just like, inundate me, give me more. Yeah, I think that's what we're all drawn to is what we loved as a child and hearing the background stories, whether it's hearing, you know, things about like Doink the Clown or Earthquake and and find out how interesting these backgrounds were that I did not know. Those are always great. But uh, for me, I actually find myself being more interested in, in even a little bit further from when I was before I even started wrestling. Like I like hearing about the territory days and just kind of this uh wild wild west of a group of of renegades and stuff and the the stories out of puerto rico and things like that things like that really um excite me because it sounds it reminds me a lot of like bar comedy like before (laughs) right right like like before there's like a a central industry around it when you're just like i think I think if I put these pieces together, I might be able to make a buck doing this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Just a bunch of uh, traveling gypsies. Is there anybody, uh, like you brought up Earthquake and Doink. And like for me, I feel like in my adult life, I appreciate Matt Bourne Doink so much more than I did as a kid. Like when I was a kid, you kind of, you recognize the character. And really the same with Earthquake. Like you just recognize this big, earthquake monster guy and it's not until i was older that i was actually watching earthquake matches and like marveling at how good he was and i never realized it are there guys like that for you that you can go back and watch now and be like oh my god i didn't even realize what i was watching as a kid yeah um for me a lot of times though it's like when i go back and watch these old wcw pay-per-views from the mid and late 90s where they were doing a lot of the Japanese crossover and you're getting these matches that are awesome with like Ultimo Dragon or, or Nagata. And at the time I was just like, I don't know who the fuck these guys are. <laughs> <laughs> Boo, where's Disco Inferno? Where's Alex Wright? <laughs> Man, if you're not dancing, I don't want to see you. Where's the booty man? Okay. Eugene, know what? <laughs> but I think also like a lot of the, you know, the hills and the big man, like I, I find myself really going back and watching a lot of like Bam Bam Bigelow's work and, and just how athletic he, he truly was. He was like, I mean, really ahead of his time with a lot of the, the work he was doing. Yeah. Bam Bam Bigelow is like outrageously good. Like you really like anybody who, grew up in that era that hasn't fully appreciated like how athletic he was, I mean, has got to go back. Cause I sit there and I'm like, man, 
he should have been so much bigger after that LT match. Like they just really, that was one of those things where I feel like they got him to this place where they had nothing to do with him except turn him into a baby face. And then once he was a baby face, they had nothing to do with him. Period. Yeah. And it was yeah, just Yeah, like, there's not many guys with flaming skull tattoos that I consider, <laughs> you know, like, I want to get behind his call. <laughs> like, no, he should be a heel. Luna should be next to him. Yeah. They both look insane. I mean, that is just a, a, a tremendous package, the two of them together. So Yeah. Yeah, that Luna thing, like, it's so funny. I mean, you talk about people you don't appreciate. I was watching... Uh, I was watching SummerSlam 94 and it was really for the Bret Hart Owen Hart cage match. Cause like everybody mm -hmm. remembers how great that was, but like I'm flipping through matches and I'm like, I forgot this was one of those pay-per-views where they did Alundra blaze versus bull Nakano. And you talk about somebody who I wish I had appreciated more bull Nakano being on WWE pay-per-view of that era is like, I can't believe that they snuck this one in. Like, I can't mm -hmm. believe that real wrestling was snuck in to this era of sports entertainment. Yeah, well, real women's wrestling, which yeah. is, you know, even double. But, uh, yeah, um, yeah, she's one of my favorites of all time. I have a, a T-shirt of hers that I burned a hole right in the middle of the chest because I was smoking a joint and then I let it burn too long. But I will not get rid of the shirt because I can't find another one. I just keep wearing it because who, who else is walking around? Some wrestling, wrestling T-shirts can help you make friends. I was, I was tweeting about it the other day with all the blue meanie tweeting about hot stuff Eddie Gilbert. And it reminded me of the time where I was going to this business meeting with my manager and I was wearing this hot stuff Eddie Gilbert t-shirt. And then this custodian just runs out of the hall and he's like 62, 65 year old guy. And he's just like, hot stuff, hot stuff Eddie Gilbert. What do you know about hot stuff Eddie Gilbert? <laughs> so we, we had a conversation. It was great. And that's one of those perfect shirts too. Cause like if you're wearing like a Stone Cold shirt and people are like, oh, I love Stone Cold. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Everybody loves Stone Cold. But when somebody comes up to you and goes, I love Eddie Gilbert, and you're like, tell me about Eddie Gilbert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when that person can have the conversation, you're like, okay, we can have a conversation. Yeah, let's sit, let's pull up a chair. Let's sit down. <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my favorite. There's always that like. I feel like that. that's why I like talking to you. I like talking to you and, like, Dan Soder and guys like that who – and Tony Hinchcliffe, like, the comedians who really love wrestling because you can have those conversations. Like, there's always people that are like, yeah, I'm a wrestling fan. And you bring up, like, Eddie Gilbert will be one of those bridges that we can't cross. Yeah. Where, like, you'll bring up a name and you'll realize, like, oh, I don't think you know what a wrestling fan is. Like, you're not yeah. – like when Cardi B tweets about liking <laughs> Eddie Guerrero and, and Booker T and stuff. It's like, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. So you watch it for a few years as a child, but who who do you like now? You right. know, <laughs> like right, right, right. That convinces me. Okay, so so it was on in the background a couple of times when you were growing up. That's all you've proven to me so far. <laughs> 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 because like you know what I mean? Like you get a lot. You're Cardi B. You get a pass across a lot of stuff, but like, I feel okay being a gatekeeper in this wrestling world. Like, you yeah. Know, like, oh, absolutely. You know. I mean, I, and we want people to come in, absolutely. Yes. But you, we see so much people pretend all the time. You know, I get offered to do things like that. Where, to, you know, I get offered to go do like UFC things and of that nature because I like wrestling. They assume I like UFC, and I go like, no, no, no. I like it when they they're friends and they're pretending. To <laughs> <laughs>
yeah. <laughs> when you go onto an MMA podcast and you go like, guys, here's my MMA hot take. Not enough performance. Yes. <laughs> Where are the promos? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're like, you're like, well, I like Conor McGregor. That's like the, the wrestling fan trying to sneak into the MMA world. Like their thing is like, well, I mean, I like Conor McGregor, so I like UFC. Yeah. Like, well, what do oh, you I think? I love of Conor. Like... I love Ronda Rousey. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Brock's the greatest of all time. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Shayna Baszler. <laughs> 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 You're like, wait. <laughs> you guys know Jessamyn Duke? <laughs> <laughs> so, what have you been? Uh, what have you been doing with your time? I feel like. Uh, the one thing about this uh, quarantine stuff is like we all, whether, whether we're keeping busy or not, and I know you are keeping busy, but you still find little pockets of time because I'm keeping busy, but I still find little pockets of time to dip back in. And I find myself, that's my distraction, right? Like I dip back into horror movies and I dip back into wrestling and I mm -hmm. find these little things on the network. Like mm -hmm. lately, my thing has been, I've been going back and watching, they, they just put up a ton of the ECW like commercial tape releases, like the before they had pay per view mm -hmm. and they would just yeah. put out the home videos, they put up a ton of those. So oh, I bought back. I bought a few of those at Suncoast Video when <laughs> as a teenager. Yeah, yeah, had to hide them from mom because this is not this is not like the other wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've been watching, a, a, like I said, a lot of mid nineties WCW, going through and watching these tournaments, I, WCW versus the World tournaments that I never seen watched before, and. Mm -hmm. Um, New Japan's shows have been back running, so I've been watching a fair amount of those as well. And most of my deep dives have been in, like, yeah, I would say early 90s and then watching, you know, back watching superstars as well. How crazy is it? You know, you're talking about the cruiserweight division in WCW, and I mean, like, people bring it up and it does get talked about, but I still feel like it's underrated because I also didn't care, man. Like, Today, if you ask me, because I've rewatched it a hundred times now, and I feel like Halloween Havoc, I think 97, uh, Ray versus Eddie is literally top five matches of all time. Like, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's among the greatest matches that ever happened. But when it happened live, I feel like I was sitting there going like, okay, come on, guys, when's the NWO coming out? Like, enough, let's get through this, let's get through this. Mm -hmm. It is so wild how much and like you said i mean you go back earlier than that and like wor the world's collide pay-per-view that wcw promoted where it kind of exposed the world to triple a like it's 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 amazing how much of that stuff was happening pre-internet right under our noses yeah i mean to me i i, I then think about it a lot with comedy again and i it makes me kind of excited where you're like wow like it's just kind of human nature to undervalue things for, for, for a long time. And, to, and then later on, we're like, Oh, they're amazing. They're awesome. They're wonderful. You know? Yeah. And, and it's fun to go back and watch. Like sometimes I'll, it, it'll, it's weird, but it'll give me motivation where I'm like, Oh, my set didn't go that well, or this or that didn't go that well. And I'll go back and watch an early nineties thing and see a whole crowd sitting on their hands for Ray Mysterio and just be like, that's a hall of famer. That's right. one of the best that ever did it. And right. they just haven't caught up to him yet. Right. You know? And, right. and 
I like watching that. It's really cool to see. And I like watching the development and things. One of, in that World's Collide pay-per-view, there's like a interview with Eddie Guerrero and he can't talk for, for crap. He, like, he's just, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> one of those promos where they go and you know six times throughout the sentence yeah and you know i'm really happy to be there and and you know when i get out to that ring and you know i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm, really give it to you yeah i'm gonna do my very best <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's a stardom promo <laughs> <laughs> and it's just cool because then you go and you're like wow you know, we're so used to to just judging people as they're fully formed. And you you remember Eddie when he's winning the world title and how confident and how, how funny and stuff is looking. But you go like, you know, everybody needs time to develop. I mean, I look, look at what you turned into. You used to be such a nerdy, scrawny guy. And now you're a lumberjack of a man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knew, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that is, it, it is true that you you got to watch these guys as they develop and that's true about like it's true about the greats that stayed true to themselves like you watch and people like ray and eddie specifically i think eddie is one of the greatest examples of it because eddie got to the top of the mountain eddie champion beat goldberg he's i mean for god's sakes he's on cardi b's mount rushmore you know I think that's, the, <laughs> that's the greatest wrestling award you could possibly have but that essence of Eddie Guerrero, like he didn't turn into something else. Like he's still that same Eddie Guerrero, even when he's at the top of the mountain, he's just really turned into this undeniable performer. And like, you realize that in life, some people are just brought in. That's exactly who I want. I'm going to push him to the moon and that's going to be it. And other people just decide, you know what? That's not the path that I'm on. I just have to go and make myself undeniable. And and at that point, there's nothing that anybody can do about it. I'm 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 at the top of the mountain, whether you put me here or not. And that's yeah, the, that's, that's when it's most beautiful. You yes. know, that's when that's Eddie. That's Joe Rogan. Yes. That's a lot yeah. of these people. It's fun to watch, and you see people will be like, "Oh, I, don't, I hate it. I don't like." It. And it's just like, well, it doesn't really matter. Like he put in the work, he put in the time. He's himself. He's yeah, doing him. Isn't it interesting that people will still, like, even if you did it yourself and even if it was through hard work and years and years and years and it's all you and you deserve it, people will still try to take it away and tear it down. People are yeah. still mad about it. They can't just say, like, look, whether I, I don't have to agree with it, I don't even have to be a fan of it, but you have to at least go, like, this is the journey and how it happened. Like, this is, this is a pretty remarkable thing. This is a great sort of example of, of uh, an inspiration for life in general, but people will still try to be like, well, no, no. Well, you know, I think the best way to put it is like whether you love it or you don't love it. <laughs> <laughs> you better learn to live with it because it's the best damn thing going today. <laughs> <laughs> with the veins popping out in the neck. <laughs> You know what my favorite part of that, uh, the Ric Flair 30 for 30 was when he was talking about that era and those promos. And he said, yeah, and then my wife would call me and she'd say, Rick, why are you giving out your hotel room number on television? And I'd go, 
I don't know. (laughs) 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 He didn't even come up with an excuse. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Just you know, I was ad libbing and it just came out. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Rick, isn't that the actual hotel you're staying at? Yeah. Well, then why'd you mention it? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, oh, we can be too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you when did you develop your appreciation for WCW? I mean, I remember. I think was it a a year ago? SummerSlam Brooklyn was last year, right? Mm, yes. Yeah, it was a year ago. I feel like that might be the last time that I saw you, but I saw you uh, all that weekend parading around uh, New York City in that purple and gold WCW chalk line jacket, looking like a million <laughs> bucks. Um, <laughs> when did you? When did you become like a, a full on like you know what? I'm a WCW fan. Like not going. Not, I mean, like when did you rediscover your love mm-hmm. for what WCW brought to the table? Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, because when I originally I was a fan, probably as like a 13 year old, 14 year old kid, because I went to one of my best pay per view events I ever went to. I got to go to a spring stampede that had um, one of the least, I don't know if it was one of the last, but one of the late Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat matches at the um, Max Payne, Cactus Jack versus the Nasty Boys Street Fight. It was like like, 94. Sounds like yeah, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, top to bottom, an excellent pay per view, like just a tremendous pay per view. And that kind of started it. But I say, you know, as you get older and then you remember the late 90s, the WCW, and then the fall apart, and you kind of get into that, you fall into that um, line of thinking that, oh, WCW was all a joke and it was always bad. And But I think, yeah, the network, you know, getting back when the network came back and, and um, or when it started and I got my, started watching these old nitros and thunders when they added the thunders again i could go back and go like wow like when i was a kid i was real into the sports entertainment of the of the storylines of the hulk whatever hulk hogan was up to whatever the ultimate warrior was up to but when i go back and as an adult i go like wow the the actual like mat work and and the things that i really like are over here at wcw all these hard hitting matches are over here at wcw and it just was a different flavor of ice cream that maybe my palate wasn't ready to have at that time but now i'm all about it yeah yeah it was it was praline some rose water in my ice cream You just kept going back for strawberry. Well, no, I like pink strawberry. Like, it looks good. Like, yeah, yeah. strawberry with sprinkles. Strawberry with sprinkles. Strawberry with sprinkles. Yeah. Have you tried this green tea sorbet? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this really does cleanse the palate. It's very refreshing. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, because WCW is so weird to look back in that era because I, I'll go through stuff where I'm, like, I'm looking for bad wrestling to watch. Like, cause mm-hmm. there's a pleasure yeah. in watching terrible wrestling as well and wcw is also the king of that like the oh stuff when that i want to take a nap put on that <laughs> wcw greed put that greed on and put me right to sleep yeah it's like the very very end of wcw and also like the main event scene in wcw right before the nwo mm-hmm. like i mean i i have watched multiple times uh uncensored 96 which is the uh, Tower of Doom Alliance to End Hulkamania. 
Is Where's that the, the is that the cover where it's all yellow and it's all the members <laughs> of the dungeon? It, it, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, this is and this is what boggles my mind, right? It's the four horsemen, and the dungeon of doom, and Zeus, and the guy that played Bane in the George Schumacher, jo, uh, Joel Schumacher Batman, and they've all joined in one force to destroy Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage, and you know, I mean, wrestling logic would dictate that as you have to go through each opponent. You would start with the easy ones that would just whatever and end with the big, like, oh, how is this going to happen? The first opponents to Hulk Hogan and Macho Man are Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. That's the first. <laughs> That's where we begin. And we end with Zeus and Bane. <laughs> and <it's> like, <laughs> what are we doing, guys? <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like, what? What are Rick, poor Ric Flair and Arn Anderson have got to be going, because this is literally two years, only two years removed from you seeing Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat at Spring Stampede. Two years later, Ric Flair is at the top of the cage as the kind of curtain jerker of the main event. And you're going like, what's he got to be thinking at that point? Yeah, I mean, they, they, that's what makes it fun. I mean, that's what makes the wrestling a lot of fun in general is that if you follow it a lot, like any TV show, you'd be like, okay, well, these are the natural decisions that are going to happen. But wrestling is so wonky with, <laughs> for so many different reasons, with creative control, nepotism, this and that, that you go like, why did this happen? And, <laughs> and that's, that's what makes wrestling so fun. <laughs> yeah, and I think more so than any other sort of TV show in the world, wrestling would just try something. They'll go, I don't know. We got to do something. Let's try this. And they'll just throw it. Yeah, like, that's what we're seeing thing. right now. They're like, get rid of the ropes. We don't need any ropes anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we don't have an audience. Why do we need ropes? <laughs> <laughs> Who are we keeping out? <laughs> well, if you don't have rules, then why would there be ropes? I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's a great question. I have no idea why there would be ropes. Yeah. Hey, um, how do we get Rey Mysterio off TV? Rip his eye out of his face. It would be cool if Raw Underground ends up a lot like the actual movie Fight Club, where you find out it's not even like it's just going on in his head. It's not uh, even like it's uh, just a dream that Shane McMahon is at. How amazing would it be? <laughs> If it's just Shane McMahon staring out a window, <laughs> he's just rocking back and forth, staring out a window in the PC, and MVP just walks by like, I was never. Shane, are you back? Like, there's. <laughs> I just... would love it if they did. <laughs> it's just all going on in Shane's head. I wonder how that would go. Like, if you were in the writer's room and you're like, okay, here's what I'm thinking. And I mean, do Raw Underground for two months. <laughs> two every week for two months full-fledged storylines and i mean let's start getting absurdly ridiculous and then slowly start turning it into like a tony soprano dream sequence <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one week you just see a guy in the crowd with a hot dog costume and you're just like well, okay well that's a little different <laughs> <laughs> and then you know when it's time you just look at shane mcmahon Rocking back and forth, looking out a window. <laughs> I love it, man. I, I, I'd be into it. I mean, you got to try stuff, right? 
Yeah. You gotta get creative sometimes. Oh, I'm all about it. See what works, see what doesn't work. You know, I, it, it got me tuning back in for the, just to check it out and, and, and see it. I don't know. I, and I still don't know. I don't know if I like it. I don't know if I hate it, but it's definitely different. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like, I got through and I was like, this is really... I mean, immediately it's like different, right? So it's offsetting. There's something about it that you're like, it's off-putting. You're like, what? But then mm -hmm. you're like, wait a minute. I forgot that Dolph Ziggler is actually a really good wrestler. Like, I forgot mm -hmm. he went to Kent State and he's actually kind of a badass dude. And wait a minute. Like, the Viking Raiders are not wrestling garbage monsters anymore. They're actually beating people up. Like, that's, that's good for the Viking Raiders. And you're seeing, like, Lashley and MVP and Shelton Benjamin, like, looking like badasses again and beating mm -hmm. people up. I'm like, this is... There's a practical application for Raw Underground. This could be, yeah, this, this can be good. Yeah, but I think it's a it's a um, slippery slope, just like the cinematic matches to me, and that it, it does it, it obviously it won't work for every character, right? You know, and and I don't I don't think you want to see it like you don't want it to ever be the majority of the show because then it makes the other half of the show look weird because it's like, why are these other matches taking <laughs> eight to 10 minutes and people are going all over thing and these, and the matches in the underground are over in two minutes because yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of weird. Well, I'll, tell you, uh, so I'll tell you exactly why Ron it ropes. <laughs> oh, I forgot the healing ropes. power of ropes. <laughs> ropes. The other matches have ropes, you see? So it's <laughs> <laughs> do you have a uh what, what's your favorite and your least favorite of the cinematic matches that we've seen in this era oh easy that's very easy the uh -huh. my favorite has been the boneyard match nice uh and then my least favorite was the eye for an eye match like i just i see so you consider eye for an eye in the cinematic realm just because it was like you had to depart reality well, when you, yeah, and there was use of props and, and, and yeah. things of that nature. So I consider it, a, certainly I consider it a cinematic match. Uh, if you don't, I, I can pick another one as my least favorite, which then would be the uh, swamp match. Although okay. mm -hmm. there were some parts I liked. I love a match that stops for a moment to have a two minute monologue. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do too. It's like, uh, it's like when you know the scene stops halfway. You're probably wondering how I got here. <laughs> <laughs> I would love it. it. I would love that if they would did that more. And just like you have Seamus and Jeff Hardy, and Seamus has Jeff Hardy down. He goes like, "I don't know why I'm such a bully." <laughs> <laughs> I think it starts with my father. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and really, Jeff Hardy wins. Yes. But at the end of the day, Seamus defeated himself. <laughs> that's, that's what we learned. Um, yeah. How did you feel? Okay, so I put uh, the greatest wrestling match ever. I, I don't know if you heard that podcast, but I had a whole thing about it. I, uh, my appreciation for it grew tremendously. I absolutely put it in the category of cinematic match. Mm -hmm. um, I started to like halfway through the match i realized what it was and i was like oh this is not a match you're not supposed to rank this on like you know the way we just said ray and eddie is one of the greatest matches of all time like you're not they're not saying this is number one on that list the greatest wrestling match of all time becomes a celebration 
Yeah, well, similar, the Boneyard match was a love letter to The Undertaker's career, and and the Funhouse match was kind of the same thing for John Cena's career. And then Edge and, and Randy went kind of the opposite, where they created a love letter to all of professional wrestling. Right, right. And it was really weird to me that a lot of people didn't, even experts, didn't really go with that. They were still having the conversation, well, I mean, it was a very good match. I don't know about the greatest match. It's like, no, that's not. You're kind of missing the point here, I think. Yeah, you're falling. You're falling for the marketing. Right. <laughs> right. You're, it's um, a very, very literal interpretation. Yeah. No, it was a great one, though. That I think. I mean, just haven't. I'm sad that Edge got injured because he was doing such great work, and obviously Randy Orton probably like the best wrestler working right now. Yeah. So. Um, They've been amazing. I'm just excited to see what, what Randy and Drew do. What do you think of Biggie's single push? I'll tell you, for me, my mm-hmm. whole thing, I've been campaigning for it. I've been talking about it on the podcast. I've been tweeting about it. I feel like Biggie needs to maintain the essence of Biggie, but still make a change. So, like, you know, mm-hmm. so there, so we so we can see an aesthetic evolve these evolving. Mm-hmm away from New Day Biggie into singles Biggie without becoming a different person. I feel like that's done very simply. Lose the singlet, just mm-hmm. wear trunks, and to me, the trunks should be tie-dye. I don't know. I'm locked into it. <laughs> I think Biggie wearing tie-dye trunks is like, you could see my physique now. You take me seriously, mm-hmm. but no, I'm still here to party. I still got tie-dye on. Blue and hot pink tie-dye trunks on a guy that you take seriously, I feel like that's... That's money to me. I think that there's a lot of potential in a oh, big totally. singles thing. And I really like that it is happening organically, that it is not uh, somebody turning on somebody in the New Day having to break up or whatever, that you still mm-hmm. kind of keep the New Day together, but Big E is able to have this opportunity. Yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, anytime I've come on your podcast, I've always used it as an avenue to push for a Big E singles run. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I feel partially responsible. Uh, but I agree with you. I think with any type of um, just thinking about it character wise and TV wise, you want to show growth, you want to show a change. And I, I love it not coming at the expense of the partnership because these. Because to me, it's better to have it like, hey, this is a brotherhood and I can go off and do my own thing. And it doesn't mean we turn on each other. That to me is a, a, a played out scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think, yeah, I would like to see not necessarily a more serious biggie, but just something that does show. I think a, a outfit change, some type of appearance change would do that. Even if he kept the singlet, I would probably change the color of it. I would change my... my um, I would just change my color scheme to show that I was separating myself from the pack so that I wasn't dressed the same as as Kofi and Xavier. Right. Maybe tie-dye trunks? I'm open to okay. if he wants okay. a gorgeous George. If he wants <laughs> Okay, as long as you're open to it. I'm open to it, too. I saw you actually uh, tweeting about uh, Kamala, sending, sending an RIP to Kamala. Um, I mean, you know, I'll tell you about Kamala. First of all, when you talk about characters, like unforgettable and one of those characters you were legit, I was legitimately terrified of as a kid. But also, while he didn't have the most varied offense, shall we say, there were some real athletic moments. His leapfrog, the air that he would get on that leapfrog was like, whoa, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, the, I, I look at it in a lot of ways. 
um, as a, such a talented performer and, and, and great wrestler. And the fact that as a kid, he scared the crap out of me. And it was a character that I believed in. And, that, and then as I get older and I'm aware kind of like of the stereotypes and the racist backgrounds that that character um, stems from. Mm-hmm. And I think about the weight that he had to carry in order to like, Oh, if this is how I have to make it in this industry. And, and I'm not saying that he hated this role or he loved this role. I don't know. I never, obviously I've never met the man, but I just think about, um, the fact that I'm able as a comedian and an actor now to more like choose what I want to do and perform what I want to do and choose the type of way I present myself. And I, I look at people like, like Mr. Harris and, and, um, the things he's done is sacrifices so that I can, so I don't have to paint uh, uh, stars on my titties and act <laughs> like I, I'm a cannibal, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I appreciate, I appreciate him. And isn't it kind of like remarkable too, that not only did he have that awareness of like, this is, this is the world that I live in. This is what I have to do. But he then was able to be like, and the best thing that I can do is perform this to a level where it gets beyond the stereotype, where it gets like this, I need to, this character becomes an icon. So it actually transcends the thing, this sort of like, you know, prejudice idea that it was formed around. I can, I'm going to make this character an icon. Yeah. You could choose, that. yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people, if you put that character on them, they're A, they're going to be like, hey, fuck you, da da da. And they would have <laughs> been out of the business. Yeah. B, there's a lot of people who would have wilted under it and would have just done it and would have been a footnote. And then it takes, I think, an extremely strong and extremely talented person to get beyond that and go, hey, I'm going to own this character and I'm going to turn it into something amazing. And I mean, there's a Kamala action figure in, in, my, in my background. So, like, like he he's definitely a legendary in the character that I remember, my mom remembers, you know, mm-hmm. that that all wrestling fans remember, and that's that's a mark of his great work, I believe, more than you know anybody who else who created that character. Oh, hundred percent. That yeah, he gets one hundred percent of the credit for what that character did. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Um, did you start when you started doing when you started podcasting, right? And you realize like, okay, I'm going to turn my office into a studio, which means the decoration is going to be not just for me now, but it's going to be the messaging, right, that I send out. Because I remember like, like I watched you when you first started getting better. I was like, oh, okay, I see a couple little wrestling toys hanging out here. And like over the amount of time that you've been doing the show, if you go through, you can see the collection start to grow and grow and grow. And grow. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, he got bit. He got bit by the bug. Uh, did you start to kind of grow that collection when you were like, okay, like I have a, a, a place where I, I'm, you know, going to have this visual YouTube yeah. podcast. I need to, I need to, I need to show up here. I need to have some items in this collection that people are like, Ooh, yeah, absolutely. You know, you were, you were always a big inspiration from the moment <laughs> I came into your house. And uh, just, the, yeah, so just mostly, it's, it's still, I have a very small collection by comparison, but it's just that it used to be all a bookshelf that was full of books and then a couple of wrestling figures. And now all the books have been pushed into the closet and all, <laughs> and all the wrestling figures are out in front. Because, yeah, I love... 
um, not just, and I'll often move them around a little bit just so that the ones that are visible change up. So yes. that if there are like real wrestling fans watching, they can see like, oh, Ron went and got this figure or that figure, you know, he's got the, 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 the Chris Jericho bubbly bottle, you know, like that. Yeah. I love, I just love adding little Easter eggs and stuff like that. I just think it's fun. Yeah, it does. Like, that's a good point that if you have the, like, if you could have, like, the WCW Chris Jericho figure on display, right? And that means that, like, oh, he's an old-school wrestling fan. But then if you end up getting that AEW Chris Jericho figure, it's like, oh, he's one of us today. <laughs> it's, 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 it's sending those messages out that even if you're, your podcast doesn't have anything to do with wrestling. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. That's, uh, like, I see Roman Reigns up there. I don't just see yeah, Stone Cold a, up there. <laughs> yeah, I'm active. <laughs> <laughs> not retired (laughs) yeah i think but i mean i like it i think that you're right when you're like you know you have the books up there for a while but i mean for me i feel like it got to a point when i was like it's either got to be all or nothing most of me is all or nothing like that Mm -hmm. i'm i feel like i have a an on-off switch not a dimmer switch where it's Mm -hmm. just like i'm either doing it or i'm not doing it and it got to a point probably as early as college where I would have like toys way past when you're supposed to have toys and people would be like, you still, uh, still buy toys, huh? And I'm like, yes, I do. As a matter of fact, there's hundreds of them (laughs) (laughs) and I will continue to do it. And it's like, you know, you either have to completely own it. Like you can't hide it and just do it a little bit. Either you completely own it and be like, this is, this is who I am. And this is what makes me happy. Yeah. Why would you ever hide who you truly are? That's not any way to live. And I think, you're one of the prime examples of that. Like I've known you for so so long now, and you and you've always been just outspoken on what you love and what you're interested in, and unabashed about it. You've always been like, "Hey, I'm a I'm a WWE shill. I love this. Is what I love. <laughs> this is what I grew up in." And 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 you took that fandom and and your expertise and your work ethic, and you turned that into a job and money. And and to me, like that's gotta feel good even when when everything is stressful and when things are going away and i'm sure like everybody else you're not you lost some money and all the deals and everything's going on but it's it that stress is always there no matter what but it's, it's easier to deal with when you love what you do as opposed to like hating it and hiding who you are and then still having to deal with this you know yeah think about that sometimes like even on like a, a, a microcosm level of within the wrestling community and the internet. If I had decided like, okay, the internet doesn't like me because I'm like, cause I like WWE so much, but I'm not doing that to impress anybody. I'm just doing that because that's who I am. Like I, and I think about like, I could have kind of squashed that down and like hyped up the internet stuff and hyped mm-hmm. up anything that's not WWE or whatever. And I know that while, you know, maybe Reddit would have been like, yeah, Sam's a pretty cool guy. I'd be sitting there going like, I wish I could just talk about the stuff that I like. Like, I'd be turning off my cameras and stuff, and I wouldn't be turning on New Japan. I'd be yeah. watching, like, WrestleMania 7 again and be like, you know, everybody says this sucks, but this doesn't suck. I would never say it, but this doesn't suck so much. Yeah, I actually, I, I was doing an interview with Ron Bennington, I think, who, who we both, you know Bennington, right? I assume. Love it. He's, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. And, and, and so, and as I do, and since I know he knows so much about comedy, anytime I talk to him, I pay extra attention. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things he said to me, which really struck me, was that he's like, he's like, you're such a good comedian, and, and it must have been 
difficult for you to stay who you are and 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 there must have been a lot of comedians trying to beat that out of you with your optimism and, and the way that you you see the world to kind of mold you into what they felt a comic was. And he just gave me this compliment. He's like, it took it must have took a lot of strength for you to maintain who you are. And because of that, you know, now that was the reason he was interviewing me because I'm in the TV show and a movie and this and that. And it comes from the fact that you're a little different. There's, you know, if, if you can confirm so much you are a dime a dozen you they can get anybody else they go, well that guy looks nicer so i'm gonna pick this guy you know <laughs> but when you're truly you and you're truly unique and you're providing your product either they're going to want sam or, or they don't you know there's no there's no second place they either have to get sam roberts or there's nobody else you know isn't that amazing for you though when someone like ron bennington like points that out like that you don't have to say like do you know i'm doing this that somebody like that just observes you and then says it because they noticed it without you having to directly tell them. Like, that's got to be an amazing feeling. Oh, it felt very amazing. I came down and told my wife because I was just like, because she wasn't that familiar with Bennington. I go like, no, baby, you don't. Like, he talks to every comedian. He knows everyone. He knows, if he's told me this as a compliment, he meant it and it was for a reason. Uh -huh. and, and, you know, and it, it, it really struck me and, and, and so I, I truly appreciate it. Next time you talk to Ron Bennington, too, you know he's got wrestling stories? Yeah, well, yeah. Gail tells me a story about them living next to Macho Man and all that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. He's got stories about uh, Bobby Heenan, Macho Man. And if you go, there's one of the pay-per-views, one of the WCW pay-per-views on the network. Um, it was in Florida. This is when, like, I think, I think it was still Ron and Ron, or maybe it was Ron and Fez. I don't know. But there's this match that they did before the pay-per-view and they air a clip of it like oh before the pay-per-view we had uh, ron and fez here and you see fez and he's in a tag team called the sissy boys and it's fez <laughs> and somebody else and they're wrestling this match and ron bennington is outside the ring being like a heel manager and hitting somebody with his cane instead <laughs> it's it's the greatest thing ever i'll figure out what pay-per-view it is and tell you which one so you can find Please. it but yeah i'd love to talk to him about that <laughs> hear this clip of it and it's it's awesome um speaking of people uh from the outside world i suppose uh have you do you keep up with nxt do you watch nxt I, yeah i mean i go back and forth i've been mostly watching dynamite recently but i've been keeping up because you keith lee love him champion uh -huh. gotta keep up with that carrying cross scary scary looking guy so <laughs> <laughs> yeah carrying yeah. cross man that intro don't you just watch that guy come out and go i can't wait that's probably the number one thing i'm looking forward to seeing with fans back in a building oh absolutely. carrying cross's intro Oh, I mean, him and, I mean, just like we were talking about Bam Bam and Luna, him and Scarlett together, huh. that's just, like, money, and you can totally see. Like, it's so funny, um, again, because we talk about development. You remember a few years ago when he was trying to get out of his impact contract so much and, the, and how, just how much different his life must have been, where he's like, I don't know what I'm doing and everything's crazy and I'll, I'll take this shitty contract, you know? And then and people, and then six months later, they're like, what are you doing? Everybody wants you. What? Oh, I didn't know I was good. You know, I mean, that does, and it's really, really tough, especially like the younger you are, I feel like, but learning 
when to say no, even when you're not like it, it's not a matter of when to pick the right thing. It's a matter of learning when to just say no and have faith that a better thing will somehow come. I mean, that is a tough, tough thing to do, but you know, it can be real. It, 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 if you're smart and you know who you are and you're good, like it really is a skill that people need to develop. Oh yeah. Having faith in yourself and, and, and not jumping at the first thing. You know, I remember a few years in and a couple of people wanted to manage me, but they were like, it was a red flag. Cause first of all, they were from San Francisco and I was like, well, I don't feel like my manager should live in LA or New York. <laughs> that just feels like the right thing. Who are you going to talk to the punchline? Like, what that's <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I can call the punchline. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, but there's also that part where you go, oh, well, these people are interested in me. These people are interested yes. in me and they think that I could be something. And, and, but I think if you're smart, you kind of go like, well, that, if they see it, that must just mean like other people will see it too. And I need to make, wait until I find the right match for me. And I've been lucky because I talked to so many of my, my peers and coworkers who have, you know, horrible manager stories and this and that. And I've been with my manager from day one, you know, since like eight years ago and I've never changed. And I don't, unless she retires, I don't ever see that changing. And I think it just comes from that. We're talking about just being patient and having faith in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you seen when you talk about Cameron Grimes too? I'm sorry for interrupting. (laughs) He's in a five way ladder match. Oh, I'm excited. I hope he wins it. I love him. Oh man. I love, love him since when he was Trevor Lee. Yeah. Yeah. Love that guy. Flipping his body around those, uh, tiny Rosita, uh, uh, rooms. (laughs) Yes. Or I guess singular room, right? That one, that one. That the one, one spot, yeah. VFW Hall, yeah. Yep. Now he, he's he's really seemed like he's found his character there, and he's yeah, doing very well. I love he loves that hat. He can't. I mean, <laughs> he, he loves that hat, though. <laughs> you know, I feel like if he didn't love that hat so much, he'd probably see more opportunities for himself because he, he makes mistakes. <laughs> he makes mistakes when he tries to save his hat. <laughs> like buy a couple of them. Have have a spare. You know. Yeah, that's like if I came in a ring with really nice sneakers. You know, yep. if you just if you just put a crease in them, I'm like, well, we time out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Trust me, I know. I would have a pair of sneakers where I'm like, look, they need to be nice because I'm going to be on TV but not so nice that they'll distract me from my match. You <laughs> need to find that middle ground because otherwise you end up in trouble. Um, but where, what do you think of the uh, Pat McAfee and Adam Cole stuff that's been happening on NXT? Uh, I mean, it's interesting. My initial thing is always like, um, just be like, I just try to be patient. I'm like, I don't know where this is going. I know Pat McAfee is a big wrestling fan. I know, um, and he's a very charismatic guy. Like I watch his sports show on YouTube um, every now and again, and always find him be very interesting. And and then it always, you know, it reminds me of the Bam Bam Bigelow LT thing, where it's like, oh, where is it going, and what does it mean for Adam Cole after? Is what all I get <laughs> yeah. concerned yeah, you don't want, about. You don't want Adam Cole to get the old Bam Bam treatment after. No, not yeah. at all. But I don't also, you know, it doesn't upset me like. Um, I particularly didn't really enjoy Rob Gronkowski being around and and our Tyson Fury because I thought it just made you know their opponents look weak and 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 
because it wasn't like you ever looked at Rob and go, wow, that guy's a great wrestler and he's doing it. It's just like, this clumsy mother, he's beating everybody. <laughs> but I think Pat, I know Pat's been doing some training and I think if any, if, if any one of these things is going to surprise us and actually end up being good for both of them, mm-hmm. this, is, this is the one. So you're hoping Pat McAfee is less LT, more Steve Mongo McMichael. Yes, yeah. yes, Kevin Green even. Kevin Green. <laughs> Kevin Green. <laughs> yeah, you know, every in WCW, it's all because of that last dance doc. Everybody talks about how Carl Malone wrestled. Everybody talks about Dennis Rodman. They bring up Jay Leno. Nobody brings up poor Kevin Green. No, he was out there just doing it because he wanted to. Yeah, yeah. I do like with the Pat McAfee, Adam Cole thing that the roles have seemingly reversed, that Pat mm-hmm. McAfee is being portrayed as the outsider who doesn't respect wrestling. And Adam Cole is kind of the good guy, supportive of the business person. I feel like that's an angle that hasn't necessarily been uh, explored in yeah. all these uh, celebrity athlete type matches. No, uh, I, I agree I like that with that. Different. Yeah. I agree with that, and I hope it leads to a nice baby face run for Adam Cole because I, I, I've never met him, but I've seen him from afar. I've seen him interact with people, and I, I see how people respond to him, and he reminds me similar to uh, Daniel Bryan or, or uh, um, I'll just stick with Daniel Bryan. It's just that people love him. Like they, they fall in love with just doing the Adam Cole baby, and, and sometimes people just have this hidden charisma that – doesn't even showcase in like what he looks like. He looks like a regular guy, you know, mm-hmm. but that's, that is one of the characters of wrestling and every man, a person that you can see yourself in a person that is a good guy, nice guy, hangs out with his girlfriend, plays Halo all the time and just wants to be good at his job. Like, right. Like that's a guy, a character that I can get behind. And I think that that might be the better role for him just because, you know, of, you know, we don't ever want to get all the size, 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 but it's easier to be an undersized baby face than an undersized hill for sure. Yeah. And, and vice versa. I mean, it's easier to be an oversized heel than it is to be an oh, oversized, oversized baby. baby. Face. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, for sure. It's just the rules of psychology. And you're right. There is this thing of when you look at somebody like Adam Cole or Daniel Bryan, you go, whether it's true or not, you go, if I work really hard, I could become that guy if I become the athlete that they are. But you can't do that with somebody who's six foot seven. You're like, I could work as hard as I want. I'm not that big. That guy is something else. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm I'm very hopeful for it, and I I I'm gonna just trust that it goes well and doesn't doesn't Grobkowski me. Well, that's you again. That's you being an optimist, right? That's you going. <laughs> and then, you know, I mean, it's the same thing for fans. Like, I wish I wish that more fans would publicly go like, no, no, no. I watch wrestling because I like wrestling. Like, not like, yeah, I watch it, but this sucks and that sucks. You're like, well, let's just see if it sucks first. It's yeah. okay. If something sucks, it's okay to say that it sucks. But it, I don't like it when people say something sucks before it has a chance to suck. And I think we've always been waiting for this time it's so weird now because you you know like, oh we need alternative 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 and then now people seem to be trying to pick apart the alternative every day and yeah and go you know and i i just feel lucky that pretty much every day of the week there's a wrestling i can watch and if i'm not 
feeling one particular product. Like, you know, I hadn't necessarily been feeling Raw and SmackDown that much, but I can watch NXT. I can watch AEW. I can watch Impact. Sometimes I don't want to watch Impact. I can watch New Japan. I can, you know, sometimes SmackDown gets amazing again, and I want to watch SmackDown. So it's just nice to be able to pick and choose, and I don't have – What's been great for me is starting to limit how much wrestling I watch. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, let's just keep it to a two to three hours a week <laughs> in, in, instead of watching everything. That's been helpful for me. But then you try to keep it to two or three hours a week and somebody tells you Eddie Kingston is on your TV. You're like, oh, what? I'm watching. I'm yeah, watching. I'm watching. I'm watching these GCW fight TV <laughs> pay-per-views just because I want to see wrestling with an audience. You know, yes. it's, it, that's Absolutely. been very nice. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and, and we've had a conversation before, I think, about you limiting your wrestling because you realized that, uh, you know, I think that, that you and I have a thing in common where we have trouble, uh, like just letting a hobby be a hobby. Like you mm-hmm. want to go all in, like you want to mm-hmm. be a part of it. And you have your two passions in life, really. I mean, you have com aside from your family, of course, you have comedy, you have wrestling. Mm-hmm. And you went to wrestling school and we talked about all that and everything. Is there now, something that you'd like to do within the wrestling business or see like, Oh, I could do that. Or I could have fun doing this or I could contribute in that way. Or do you really like the idea of being a fan who's a professional comedian? And that's it. Cause there is a beauty in that too. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely more of the latter. Mm-hmm. I, I love being a fan. And the more that I started to get involved in things, the more I was like, oh, it's, this kind of, this is, you know, they're all weird businesses. And I don't know if I want to take the time to learn this one. So, <laughs> 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 but I think um, it, it, I love still commentating on things when people will, will allow me to come and commentate if, if they ever ask me whether it be WWE, AEW, or anyone, anyone that reaches out to me and they want me to do a sketch or anything, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I love wrestling, so I would love to be involved. Uh, but I think, if anything, it'll be about me merging those two worlds, you know, of me yeah. kind of like writing a comedy that showcases some of my favorite wrestling personalities or, or um, you know, the WWE has been getting more into scripted shows and sometimes they've reached out to me about different, coming up with different projects. And so I could see us working together in, in, in that way. And that's, I mean, that goes right back to what we've been talking about this whole time. That's when it's like, I'm not trying to do something that fits into a WWE or pro wrestling mold. It's just, I know who I am. And let's find a way where we can synergize. Absolutely. Where you can Absolutely. take what I do and, and do the thing. Because, um, again, it's the Joe Rogan. Just being about what you love. Because people – that and I know I go back to it, but people are all like, oh, well, he's the biggest this. And he told, it's like, do you think Joe Rogan got into UFC because he was like, one day this is going to be the biggest <laughs> sport in the world and it's going to allow me the opportunity to, you know, he was just, I love this. And so this is what I want to be involved in. Yeah. And I, I try to do the same, whether it's wrestling and, and, or my video games with my Twitch channel and Anything that I love, you know, I know you're, you're very much the same. I just want to make my life about the things that I love and enjoy. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, uh, you know, we live in atypical times, and you talked about uh, cinematic matches and everything. You are doing something very similar to that in the world of comedy. There's a big live streaming event coming up September 5th on YouTube uh, where people can get uh, 
They can get the Ron Funches experience, yes? Yes, yes. They can get their Ron Funches fix, and I can get my fix of comedy because I've been missing it, especially during the summer. That's my favorite time to tour. And, and this year we've been unable to tour, so we're going to bring my live show into your home. I've partnered up with Christopher Titus from the show Titus. <laughs> <laughs> in his production company and we're gonna we're gonna live stream out a show on youtube we'll be in front of a live audience of uh, 10 people socially distanced it'll be kind of a lot like uh, those gcw shows where it's a small crowd safely socially distanced and then everyone else is, can watch from the comfort of their own home uh tickets are only ten dollars and they're ronpunches.com i mean come on come that on. is no drink minimum, no pants minimum. What? Come on. Come on. You got to, it's like foolish not to buy a ticket. You'd be an idiot not to. You'd be a <laughs> moron not to be a part of this thing and to be there. And by the way, I'm so glad you brought up GCW because uh, I'll tell you that we had David Arquette on the, on the radio show on Jim and Sam. And truly, the main reason when I'm sitting there going like, oh, I mean, I love David Arquette, especially because of how much he loves wrestling. And I got oh, a chance to see the Same. documentary yeah, that's coming out. And it's such a great documentary for wrestling fans and for non-wrestling fans. But really, as a wrestling fan, I was like, this is just such a great way to show the business. But um, it was really because I was going over like, okay, if I talk to David Arquette, I can get a Nick Gage and a GCW reference on the main show, on the serious <laughs> show. What else am I going to be able to talk about Nick Gage on Jim and Sam? Like this is. Oh, I want to get Nick Gage on my podcast. I want to get him oh. on Getting Better because he's he's been getting better. I want to know about it. He has been getting better, and I swear that's funny with the David Arquette thing because I was afraid of Nick Gage even before he went away because I was doing like commentary for Jersey All Pro, and that's when he was doing the Hillbilly Wrecking Crew. Mm -hmm. And like you'd look around and, and uh, Luke Harper was in it when he was, bro well, I guess he's Brody Lee again now, but he was the original Brody Lee and he was in it and the whole thing. And like, I knew him and I'm like, he's a good guy. And, but I look at Nick Gage and I'm like, I don't know if this is real or if this is wrestling. I'm As, afraid no. of that man. As an adult, I'm afraid of that man. Yes. And the only time I've seen an ounce of humanity in him, first of all, his cameo is the best things on cameo, but it was the David Arquette match when he realized that David Arquette was like not wrestling anymore, you know, when like David Arquette snapped and like he was grabbing his neck and stuff. And Nick Gage had this look like, don't start fighting me for real. Like, I don't want to have to hurt you. But it was like this real, like sympathetic look. Like, I don't want to kill you, David Arquette. You got to stop. <laughs> like, There's the real Nick Gage. What a sweetheart. <laughs> yeah. Well, you Oh, absolutely. I think he's one of the best, like, example when i think of like pro wrestler mm -hmm. and, and and what it meant to me when i was a kid of like not knowing what's real and what's not like nick gage is that a hundred percent he seems like a complete psychopath i don't know <laughs> if that is a real gang or not and that should be on a government <laughs> watch list and but at the same time he's so charismatic and i i want to support him and, and love him and if he if he gets locked up again i'll be there to help bail him out <laughs> that's right <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, <laughs> support Ron Funches. You can get all the info on the September 5th show uh, on all of his social media at Ron Funches. Uh, and of course, the Getting Better podcast where everybody's getting better. And it's a beautiful thing. And uh, it's always great, Ron. Thank you, man. 
No, it's a pleasure talking with you, Sam. Hope the, the ever-growing family is, is well. And um, I'm, I think I'm going to come on and talk to you and you and Jim. So Fantastic. We'll talk together again soon. Excellent, man. Talk to you soon. Yeah, brother. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been... Not Sam Wrestling. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.